You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Similar to Facebook and Instagram, Go Wild is a social media platform, but specifically designed for the outdoor enthusiast. If you love hunting, fishing, or just being outside, the Go Wild app is for you. It is a community of like-minded individuals that get together and share their outdoor experiences, and it's a perfect place to show off your pictures, your harvest photos, the big catch of the day, whatever. It's a great community designed for hunters and fishermen, by hunters and outdoor enthusiasts. So be sure to give it a try. You can download Go Wild wherever apps are downloaded, Google Play Store, wherever, or for more information, you can visit timetogowild.com. So take this time and download the app and let's get wild. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, it's party time. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus trail cameras if you haven't already check out exodusoutdoorgear.com today we have a kick-ass podcast we are joined by someone that i actually met a couple days after i shot my buck this year his name is austin thomas and austin is a photographer and videographer he if you are on instagram i'm almost positive you've seen some of his work with some of the really popular brands that are out there uh he does a lot of work for some of the 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 premier big outdoor industry brands so i've guaranteed you see his seen his work and today we're going to talk about how he got his foot in the door how he be you know got into photography and then on top of that we also talk about how this this work that he's doing for the hunting industry making his living in the hunting industry affects his passion which is hunting and the more you know the more work he gets the less time he gets to spend in the timber so we talk a little bit about that this is a really good bs session and i uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it now before we get into today's podcast one word ripcord <laughs> if I don't know what it is about this company that I love so much. It's like it has everything, right? The really, really good customer service. It's a it's one of those companies that I always talk about. It's 
a good company run by good people. It's an American-made company. It's a veteran-owned company. And the product that they put out is second to none in the industry. It is a badass rest for your bow. So what you guys need to do right now is stop this podcast or pause it. Google ripcord arrow rests and take a look at the the rest that they offer. They have a rest for everyone, whether it's a limb driven or a string driven system. Uh, it's a badass uh, rest. And I, I just can't keep saying enough about how much I not only love the company, but I love the product. And I know this sounds like I'm just whoring out, but as long as ripcord is a company, I will probably have a ripcord rest on any one of my bows, period. So go to ripcordarrowrest.com, check out all the products that they offer, and then buy one and tell them that I sent you so I get some kudos as well. Other than that, thank you very much for letting me whore myself out to you. I appreciate it. Let's get into today's, I don't even know what to call it. It's just a good old-fashioned BS session with my new friend, Austin Thomas. We actually met this November. I think it was a couple days after I was um, after I had shot my buck, and you were actually taking uh, photos and filming our our mutual friend Ben Harshine with Huntera. And uh, you guys stopped out to the farm to take a look at the rack, and we we bullshitted for a while. Um, and that's how you know we I got introduced to you, and that's why I was like, hey man, you hop on the podcast and we can chat about what you do, but. Before we get into all the meat and meat and potatoes, why don't you tell us where you live and and what you actually do for a living? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I live just north of Kansas City, um, on the Missouri side, about forty five minutes. I like the I like to say it's a small town because it it used to be, but um, it's a kind of a suburb of Kansas City. And um, here in the last two years, I've made my living in the outdoor industry. Um, creating content for a lot of different big brands, um, whether that's photography, uh, videography, social media assets, digital assets, um, kind of, kind of like the entitlement of being a creative director. So um, I opened an LLC here at the first of the year and uh, been grinding ever since. Awesome, and uh, you know that's what we're going to talk about today is, you know, being an outdoorsman and, and loving to hunt, but at the same time making your you're living in the hunting industry there's a little bit of misconception that hey when hunting season comes that's when you actually have to start really grinding and get to work uh, and yeah. maybe not spend so much time in the tree stand but have you had any time in the tree stand whether it's behind a bow or a gun or or got outside at all to you know to have some quote-unquote you time this year I, yeah kind of um I spent so when I started this year it was the uh, kind of a, I put an exclamation point and a list of my to-dos and my kind of my short-term short-term goals that um, I wanted to make sure I gave myself some time to kind of get back to the roots of like just hunting by myself, no camera. Um, and I got to do it a few times this year. And when I say a few, I think I set three times with a bow in my hand, um, no cameras, no other people. So, you know, you can probably take that with a grain of salt that I really haven't. Um, but you know, it kind of goes hand in hand with, it seems like every time I, I have, you know, the want or the urge, it's, you know, the next trips, the next trips coming up. So, right. Right. So 
when you when you started, you know, when you were thinking this over, hey, what do I want to do for a living? Let me back up a quick a second. How old are you? Yeah. I'm 26. Okay, 26. So, I mean, you've been out of college uh, like what, 4 years? Yeah, so I'll like I'll take you on just a you bring up college and I'll take you on like just a quick background of of, you know, how I got started and and college was a breakup for me. I went to college for 2 years and then left and then went for another 2 years here. I actually just finished up my degree last year, but um, when I was in college, I went to the university of Missouri, um, went there for two years. That's where my brother went. Um, it was like, you know, one of those scenarios where I knew in high school, it's where I wanted to go. Went there for two years studying agribusiness. Um, my whole family was pretty much in the agricultural world. And I was like, I know that's what I want to do. It's, you know, it's in my roots. It's, um, everyone's really passionate around it or, you know, around that industry in my family. And then, um, I, I just, I was, I would say like any other hunter or wannabe outdoorsman that like, I wanted to have a TV show and that's, that's where the whole start kind of happened for me. Um, me and a couple of my best friends here from where I live, um, started an outdoor TV show online, just like your digital, uh, YouTube channel. Um, we started building, you know, content and films and photography and really just building the brand for like two years. And, um, went on and had a show on the sportsman's channel but i i quickly realized that like that wasn't going to lead me anywhere and this you just brought up the misconception of like the outdoor industry and when i was 18 years old in my mind watching tv and seeing the personalities it was like oh if i have a tv show like you know i'll, I'll make a living doing it because i have a tv show it was right that misconception is one of the largest i would say things that people don't realize is that if you like TV shows, one of the hardest things probably in the industry to become successful at, because first of all, everyone wants to have it. And second of all, there's just not a lot of money in it anymore. And you can probably attest to this as, you know, doing podcasts and being around a lot of, you know, mutual friends and mutual uh, people that it's, it's not like that anymore. And so I quickly realized that um, left didn't leave. We, we decided we weren't going to do the show anymore. I went and got a real man's job working for an agency and, um, went back to school, finished my marketing degree, actually just graduated in December of last year. And that has led me to, to where I am today. So quick backstory. Cool. Let me ask you this. Once you started getting in to the, the hunting industry, you know, you put on that, that web show or that TV show, what made you want to go back to school to get a marketing degree? Because it sounds to me like you already had kind of a inclination to what you really wanted to do. And, but it sounds like you went back to college, like you took a, either a sideways step or a backward step to go back to college to, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and it does. And I, it's funny you ask me because I get a lot of people that ask me that of like, it seems like you kind of had your foot in the door, you know, where you were. And I, I, I did, but I, I wanted, first of all, I wanted to better myself and my knowledge outside of just hunting. Like I wanted to learn more about marketing. I want to learn more about advertising. I wanted to learn about how I can create a business rather than just go out and you know, have outdoor TV show or, or an online show or take photos. 
Right. Um, and then reason number two being I, it was a, a family deal for me. You know, I always told my, my mom and my dad, like, no matter what, you know, whether I took years off of school or whatever, like I would go and finish my degree. And it was, you know, that was an important, uh, reason for me going back. And I, um, I just wanted to finish out of, you know, I don't want to call it spite, but I wanted to finish because, you know, it was a big deal in my family. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So after college, you know, you said, you, you know, just recently you graduated while you were in college. I mean, were you already doing freelance work for some of these companies uh, or was it something where all the attention was on college? I graduated and now it's time to, you know, start knocking on the doors and start doing what I really love again. Yeah. Um, so I, I had a year left when I went back to school um, in the summer months. So I went to school like year round. I went spring, summer, and then obviously in the fall. Um, in the summer, I would I would do like, you know, night classes here, like near around my home. Um, and then in the spring and fall months when I was traveling a lot, I was doing online schooling. So as I was traveling, whether I was staying in hotels or, you know, even living off the grid for a couple weeks, um, it was either one, have all my work done before then, or two, like, you know, maybe I'm sitting in a tree stand all day, sun up to sun down, and then I'm coming home or coming back to the hotel and doing my schoolwork, you know, till wee hours in the morning. And that was difficult because it was, you know, I was trying to build a business. I was trying to build my portfolio as a per, you know, as a creator to these companies to, you know, obviously get my name out there and for two, like showing my abilities. And it was difficult for the, that year time frame because I was kind of handcuffed to time. And um, I remember like sitting down one night, like it was like two in the morning and, you know, I've got this to-do list. It's like November 5th, like the best time to be in the white to woods. And I've got all these lists of, of, of production elements that I need to get done or shot lists that clients are needing. And then I've got a 45 page paper to write to talk about an average or a uh, marketing campaign for, for a random company for school. So it was a huge balancing act for me, but I will say like, it made me appreciate like work in general because I never sat down and never stopped. It was like, go, go, go. And then when it was all done, it was like, you know, big sigh of relief. But then I was like, you know, I'm going to put my head down because now I know like everything I do from here on out, like betters me, betters my company, betters the people around me. And that was, you know, that was a huge uh, drive for me. Gotcha. All right. So how did you, how did you get your foot in the door? Because, and I think this is a really good question to ask, especially with, and I, I know that you can attest to this and I'm a little bit older than you and I, and I can attest to this just because the rapid change in technology via, via, um, uh, cameras and editing software and how you get your work out there via, you know, social media, Instagram being the biggest one. How did you get your foot in the door and elevate yourself against all the other noise that was out there of people similar to yourself, you know, wanting to do the same thing as you. Sure. Yeah. And I, I think that's probably one of the most asked questions when it comes to like people, whether it's on social media or not, like asking me, you know, how are, how are you doing this for a living or how are you making money doing this? And I, I mean, I will say 
what trumps everything is the relationships and how I built them along in my, you know, the last three or four years, it was, and I say this, and again, <clears throat> you being older than me or not, you can attest to this, that, um, to me, it wasn't about how great of a photographer I am or how good of a creator I can be or was or am. It was all about what can I do for that next client? Like, what can I do next for this client or this company that I'm one step ahead? You know, you've got, and I will say this in the fact that there's tons of creators out there that are crazy talented. I mean, I would say a lot more talented than I am probably not making a living doing it. And it's because I realized that there was more value in the relationships I was building, whether, you know, that be with this client or that client or a new client, it was all about the relationship. What can I do for you? Um, you know, Hey, I just built this gallery out for you. Um, it's on a online portfolio, like feel free to take images as you please. For me, it was working for free for a really long time, giving, giving, giving before I got anything. And that to me is the most misconceived thing about the industry is that people believe, Oh, I'm a really talented photographer and that, you know, I, I believe I'm better than a lot of other people, but I like can't seem to catch a break. And, um, I just, I, it's, it's a hard thing, obviously I'm not trying to like make people sound wrong in any means. I just think that the most valuable thing is relationships. And yeah. I know you can probably attest to that is that every client I have, like they're my friends and they're my friends first before business. And I know I can call everyone on any given day and, and shoot the shit with them. And that, that to me is crazy valuable. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that to me is what I built my business on. Right. And then when the time comes, those people, those relationships that, you know, that you've built, I take it, they go to bat for you. If, you know, when, when it comes time, like, Hey, we need a photographer. Who do we want to call? Hey, let's call Austin. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And that's, it's, you just, you're trying to line this, this podcast up and you, you know, you had said, I don't know what your schedule is like. And this is by far been the busiest year I've ever had. I think since, um, since the end of August, I've been gone just over three months. Um, and that like, you know, that number, when I think about it in my head, I'm like, holy shit, I've been gone for three months, like out of the last four and a half. But, you know, I'm, I'm spending obviously tons of time in the outdoors and getting to go to really rad places and, and spend it with really rad people. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, I just think there's, there's a lot of things that people look past, um, when it comes to, you know, I'm getting a little sidetracked here, but, um, man, so, what, so, what was your question? <laughs> that's all good. It's all good. So, <laughs> Sorry about that. so in, re in regards to getting your foot in the door, right? You said you did a lot of work for free when, when a big name came calling or you built that relationship and had that big name or that big brand or whatever, call you and say, Hey, we want you to do this. Is that a scary scenario? Because now you yeah. have to, ha now you have to bring your a game regardless. Yeah. I mean, it was, I, I'll never forget like first couple big clients I got, like, yeah, it was like frightening. It was obviously, you know, you're excited and you, all you want to do is like drop everything right then and there and like go do whatever you have to do to make them happy as a client. But at the same time, like 
I, I think you have to be, you know, some, you have to be cocky in a way about your work. And I, I mean that I, people listening, like take that with a grain of salt, but you have to believe in your own work. Um, and I think that that's the hardest thing for a lot of creators to do because there's so many out there, you know, you can get on Instagram right now and I promise you, you can find some of the, you know, really, you know, most talented guys in the industry and, um, you know, they might not be working for the same clients you are and you're kind of like second guessing yourself. And I, I learned that the first year and it took me a little while to be like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm talented enough to be here. I know my work's good. I obviously have built relationships with these companies. It was, it was definitely nervous. I was nervous to go out and create or to go on a certain shoot. Um, maybe it was a big story. Maybe it was for a magazine or maybe it was just online, but yeah, it just, it took me realizing that my work was good enough before I, I really became successful, I would say, because it's, it's hard to do. This industry is just so flooded. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have you ever ran across a, a scenario where, okay, now you're starting to get busy and typically, and this is, and I, I know a lot of photographers out there, not necessarily in the hunting space, but you know, the wedding and the portraits and all that stuff. When you get busy, that means you can raise your price, right? Because when you and when you raise your price, it makes people think twice about it. But at the same time, people who are you know who can afford it will pay for it. Has there been a time to where you've been so busy that the next step now is okay? No more free, nothing. No more free stuff. Now I got to charge, or now I got to raise my price. Yeah, and uh, you know I'll try and answer that to where I'm not obviously giving away any, you know, any of my expertise, I should say, when it comes to billing clients or, or when that step was for me. But I think, like I said, this year has been the busiest year I've, I've had in my, in my four years in the industry. And, um, I personally haven't hit the point to where, you know, I'm upcharging to make me go do this shoot for three days where I could be, you know, with this client for a higher price. Okay. And that. The only reason I, I would I say that is because it kind of goes back to what I was talking about with my relationships is that I I know with all the clients I have now, the relationships I have with them, they know what they're getting. So when it comes to price, like I'm I'm very flexible and again, saying this with a grain of salt, but I'm flexible in the essence that I want to do what makes cool crap for that company. Like yeah. even if I have to take a little pay cut, um, I want to be on that shoot because I want my work to be a part of that company because all the companies I work for, I, I believe in personally. And even if I wasn't in an industry, I would want to be using the products. And so that's a very valuable thing to me. And I think to anyone is that, you know, if you weren't in this industry or doing it for a living, like are these products that you would actually be using? Or are you just doing it because, you know, they're paying you X amount of dollars or, you know, they're just, they have the cool factor or, you know, this guy shoots them, but this one doesn't. And that, that was never it for me. It was always, when I started this, it was, I want to work for the the most premium brands there is possible. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm currently doing that. Cool. That's awesome. Now. Yeah. So, you know, the, the better you get, Right. And the more content you're able to put out, uh, especially with some of these premium brands, your name starts to get noticed, which means that uh, other people come calling. Right. And they want you to you know, they want you to work for them or their their 
brand or whatnot. But you're also a lover of the outdoors, bow hunting, hunting, fishing, everything. How much, how hard is it for you to put your passion aside to go do work? So it's, it's difficult. It's, it's becoming more difficult the more I'm in the industry. And by that, meaning like a great example is this year I had, um, you know, I had told you like on my list, my short term, short term goals list was five days this year during the Missouri rut. Like I want to get in a stand by myself, like, and just hunt. I want to like, remember why I got in the industry. And, um, I remember like two weeks before I got a call that were like, Hey, we need you here for, you know, this date till this date. Like, can you do it? Um, and I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like I'll be there. But it meant that I missed that five day hunt with a couple of like really good buddies. And that I remember when I got off that phone, I was, I was, I was so pissed. Cause I was like, man, I had told myself this year, like I was going to allocate five days during the rut to do it. And I knew this was my last chance. Um, and I, I just sat there for a minute mad and, and realizing, you know, like oh, I had to give up these five days. But then I, like in the back of my head, I realized the, when I knew I wanted to do this was, you know, again, when we were filming for the show and I remember filming the first buck kill ever. Was, our show was all bow. Like we never did any rifle, but I remember first bow kill on film, like it happened. And I remember like, the deer running off and like me panning to my buddy who just shot it. And I'm like uncontrollably shaking, like worse than he was. And I remember the footage is God awful. And I, I just like looked at him and I'm like, he's like, why are you shaking? I'm like, I have no idea, but I'm shaking worse than you are. And that like, I, when I struggle with that, with the question you just asked, when I struggle with it, I look back at like those kind of memories and realize like, I enjoy it just as much when the guy in front of me is, is shooting the deer, but I get to relive, you know, I, I get to live that experience in this, you know, technically the same shoot. I just don't get to hang that deer on my wall. Yeah. And I think um, that to me is what drives me anytime I ever feel down or, you know, having to miss this trip for this or whatever the case may be. I just, I, I always tell myself to, to remember why I got into it and, you know, that was it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I got a question for you, and it's got to be a cool feeling. And and I'm gonna I want to ask you how it feels when you're walking through, let's say, a sporting goods store, or you're flipping through a catalog, or or you're watching some some a commercial or a TV show, and there's your work, big and bold and up front, right in front. How does that make you feel? Well, when it first happened, I was, uh, I was almost speechless. And I, like, I remember like it was yesterday, it was, it was two, two and a half years ago, probably walked into our local Cabela's, which is just across the state line here. And the, the billboard on, um, a, a Sitka banner ad was a white kill image that I had taken. <clears throat> and I remember like walking by it and being like, man, that, that looked like an image I had taken. And I kind of stepped back and like looked at it again. And it like the coolest aspect, it was like my best friend was on the banner that an image that I took. And that was the, that was the first time I'd ever seen any of my work published in an actual sporting goods store. And it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was surreal, I guess you could say, cause you, 
you know, as, as a young hunter, um, you know, always looking up or, you know, looking at magazines where guys are in magazines, you know, holding big deer sitting in a tree or whatever. It was always like, man, that's so cool. Like I want to do that one day. And then when it happens, you don't really know how to react because like, obviously you're, you're trying to be professional. You're trying like, you know, this is something you want to do for a career. So you don't want to, you know, blow smoke up your rear at the same time. Right. So I, I feel like I probably walk a fine line with it, especially now um, after like, you know, seeing it, throughout the past couple of years, but it's still cool. And I don't care what any photographer or creator says, like when they see their work published, whether it's a huge retailer, a publication, um, online on a, on a client's, um, you know, homepage, it's still really damn cool. And I, um, anybody that tells you different, they're a liar. Cause it's, um, it's why you do it. You, you do it cause you're proud of your work. So when you get to see other people trust in your work and, and publishing it, it, it really makes you feel good. Absolutely. All right. So, uh, back in the day I, I put out uh, with a group of guys, I put out a, uh, a hunting DVD, right. For several years we did it and, um, <laughs> and hours of filming and hours and hours and hours of all this stuff boiled down into, you know, minutes of footage, right. Minutes of, of, of final work. And I'm saying, I take it that photography, you know, is the same way. Thousands of images are taken, but it gets boiled down to maybe 10 of the best or, or whatever. How much, sure. pre- how much pressure is on you? Let's say when you're on a hunt, taking uh, pictures and, you know, there's that moment of truth that could sometimes just be 10 seconds long. How much pressure is on you to capture that specific moment? Oh man, when you say it, it sounds so much worse, <laughs> so much more, um, the pressure, but I, I guess it, I guess over the years I, I've become almost numb to that pressure because it's, and again, I, I don't mean that in the wrong way, but I mean it in the essence of like, I know when I'm there, like I, I get zoned in when something like that happens. I, um, I always kind of brag to my white tail, my white tail friends here at home that, I, I have yet to mess up a hunt and I'm knock on wood here, but it's, I, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that in the way that I'm just, I'm comfortable knowing my abilities and, and when, you know, whether it's whitetail hunting, elk hunting, um, mule deer, antelope, and all the things I've done this year in particular, I, I never really felt like, I, I don't know. You almost have to look as if you're not there. Obviously you need to be aware of your surroundings and you're not trying to blow up a hunt, but I, I just have, I don't know. It, it, that's a really tough question to answer because it's um, a lot of hunts I go on are with people I know. And when it's people, you know, you get, you have that comfort level, right? So if it's, if I'm on a hunt with somebody I don't know, like obviously there might, there may be a little bit more nervousness or, or feeling like, you know, I can't screw this up. Like there's no, there's no way. But when I, when I get around people, I know I, I feel comfortable and the fact that like they know I'm there they know that there's two people in that tree and you know a lot of things first off have to go right for a hunt to be successful in general and then you add another guy in the equation and it's you know your chances just went down another 20 percent so I guess what I'm saying is I'm obviously very aware of my surroundings when it comes to that but I'm also confident in you know my ability to make sure I'm staying hidden. I'm staying quiet. I'm not moving. Um, whether that means my hands are freezing to the camera for 30 minutes as the white tails staring into my soul. 
it's you know I, I know my role and I it's uh, you do your best to to kind of control your emotions and and um, when the time comes so right right all right now now here's some cool questions um, of all the all the places you've gone and all the places you've been and and uh, got to experience probably some pretty cool landscape and some pretty intense moments yeah share with us a couple that that stick out some some places and maybe moments that you've been a part of oh so by far the coolest it doesn't even rank against it didn't come close to ranking against anything was a doll sheep hunt up in the northwest territories um it was four years ago now it was actually my first year i was working for an agency at the time it was my first year doing this like as my job and I remember I'm a white, I'm a dude from the Midwest. I'm a white tail hunter. I sit in a tree and try and be still. And I'm not in shape to be carrying 85 pound packs over my back. And I, I remember being absolutely petrified of that hunt because I, you know, I obviously, um, you know, having some relationships with people that have done it in the past and that even do it for a living, you know, I'm reaching out and trying to figure out like, well, what do I need to do? How do I train? But, you know, after a couple of days of being up there and, and seeing that environment, you know, watching the Northern lights every night, by far, that was the most unreal thing I've ever seen. And I you can't put it into words, even the pictures and video don't do that place justice because, you know, I, there was actually a, a film here recently that I watched and it was about the, the outfit that I went to there. And they, there was a line in that, in the, uh, film about you know coming up here is not about killing the doll sheep and this is a customer saying this he's like you know i realized quickly that coming up here and to kill a doll sheep was not why i came up here i came up here because i wanted to be in this country and see these these places that you know not many people get to see and i you know again obviously carrying a camera around not getting to see or not getting to actually live pulling that trigger on a doll sheep, but just being there, seeing a, a doll sheep in person was, and I'm looking back at it right now, like still in awe. Um, that was by far the coolest, coolest hunt I've ever been on. We're absolutely wor- like most miserable hunt I've ever been on. Yeah. I was, man, I felt like a child. Um, yeah. But it was by, I think it was day 10. We shot the doll sheep on day nine. And um, I remember getting back to camp like like a super cub was coming to pick us up in like an hour and we had walked all night in the dark i remember sitting down and i looked at the guy i was there with who was actually a buddy of mine and i was like man i can't wait to go sit in a whitetail stand for like 30 <laughs> straight days and not move another muscle um that's crazy but, yeah that that one just i don't think it'll ever be topped right i tell you what it, there's something about living in the midwest and going to like what uh, uh, a terrain that you described. Like for me, I went to Colorado this year and did an elk hunt. And like I think one day we ate lunch at eleven three, and it was. I think if you grew up in that area, you're. It's almost like I feel sorry for you because when you went for a Midwesterner to come out there and actually see it for, with a different set of eyes. It's just, it's so, imp- it's so impressive. Absolutely. That, you pretty much hit the nail on the head there. I think <laughs> if you live out in areas like that, like 
what do you have to look forward to when you're traveling? <laughs> I mean that the wrong way, but it's like, where's vacation? Right. You know, I guess the beach, but yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. You know, obviously us Midwesterners, we, you know, all we ever want to do is head West. Right. Um, and it, you know, I look forward to being out West for the month that I get to, but yeah, it's it, the mountains never, you never get tired of them. And I mean, you know, probably enough people, you know, that live, out west that say the same thing they live there their whole life they never get tired of it but obviously i love the midwest and i I don't think i'll ever move from here but it's just there's something about being in the mountains and and seeing those things you don't get to see every day that really make you appreciate the little things absolutely have you ever had any type of uh oh shit moments where maybe you uh dropped a camera or a battery you know, you're out of battery juice or anything like that, that you're like, oh shit, now I got to either yeah. walk 10 miles back to camp or, or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I had a lot of, I've had a, had a lot of really close calls. Like I've, whether I've found a way to save them last minute, um, a lot of whitetail hunts that, you know, you're, you, you kind of gotten lazy in the stand and um, you're sitting there and here comes like one of your big hit listers, like walking, you know, to like right under the stand and you like click on your camera and there's like a red light flashing because your battery's about to die. I've, I've had that happen more times than I'd like to admit. <laughs> um, but I'll go back to my dull sheep hunt where the, <laughs> we had hiked, we had, we didn't see sheep for, for seven days, seven days of hiking every day up and down. We never saw a sheep until day seven. And I had, I had two cameras, I had three lenses and a freaking laptop and I, you know, we would move camp about every two days. And, you know, you're talking about ridiculous amounts of gear, probably too much, but I had a camera that I wasn't taking everywhere. It was, it was pretty much strictly for the hunt scenario. So like when we saw a doll sheep, like I was putting my DSLR, DSLR in the pack and this was the camera that was going to film, whether it was a kill shot or, you know, stocking up to it or whatever. And we get up on top of this ridge, this real steep climb, and I've got this camera like with a rain jacket hanging over it because it's pouring rain. We get to the top. We're like 250 yards from the sheep. He's bedded down. We get the shooter comfortable, and I'm getting the camera on a tripod and you know slowly making my way up to the hunter. And I turn the camera on, and nothing. And, you know, we're not necessarily in any hurry, but obviously we're not like trying to take our sweet time to, to shoot the sheep. And I'm like, hold on guys. Like I'm something's wrong with the camera. I got to figure it out. If I like grab another battery, it's full. I plug it in. Nothing. Like I have no power and my monitors aren't working. I'm not getting any audio levels, like absolutely nothing. Um, we'll come to find out in our, on our hike, I had a leak in my rain jacket and all this like water pretty much was, pretty much funneling from my rain jacket and onto the, onto the camera body. And it pretty much knocked out all the electronics, but it still filmed. I just had to look to the eyepiece. So I luckily like in the back of my mind, I'm like, maybe the eyepiece works. I looked at the eyepiece, see that it's working and filmed the shot and everything through the eyepiece. But you talk about like being puckered up. I, <laughs> I was, Oh, I remember that like it was yesterday. And again, that was one of my first hunts, like really starting a career in that industry. And I, yeah, it was, uh, 
<laughs> scary to look back on it, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So what's next, man? Uh, this is kind of a two-parter, you know, like where do, where do you personally and your, in in your, your work go from here? And the second part of that question is how do you schedule hunting time into that? Yeah. So this, this year has been unique because obviously not only am I, I'm working by myself, um, you know, I'm a one man team. I was starting my LLC this year. I, you know, I, I don't want to create or have, you know, only be a photographer for the rest of my life. I, I want to have, you know, the ability to, <clears throat> to work as social media management for different companies. I want to build out marketing campaigns and ad campaigns and really build a bigger business around what I'm already doing. And that was, um, that was kind of the emphasis of starting my LLC, you know, continually doing what I'm doing. But, um, you know, this year it was like, you know, bear down, spend as much time as you can creating and, and working for clients. Um, whether, you know, that means being gone six and a half months out of the year, whatever the case may be, like, just put your nose down and do it. And so in the future now, and, you know, obviously without trying to tell too much, I, I've got a lot in the works as far as launching a lot of, um, a lot of new films. We're going to, you know, I'm working with a couple different clients on, on creating a couple whitetail pieces and um, really just always looking for that next, you know, what's next um, as far as, you know, what's, what's cool. What, what, what aren't people doing like finding cool stories, um, you know, finding, finding the next, um, you know, cover story for a publication. It's, it's all about stories for me. So I'm constantly, you know, talking to people and, and searching through Instagram and, and, you know, trying to find people who you know, might have a cool story, might have a cool, um, reason for whether that getting into the hunting industry or, um, or not, I'm just in the back of my mind, that's always kind of what I'm searching for, but yeah, man, next year is kind of all about building for me. It's, um, building clients, building portfolios and, you know, building a brand image for the company I started. So it's going to be a busy one. Nice. Now, how do you fit, how do you fit hunting into that? Mm. Oh, it's, it's tough. Um, you know, I think this year I, I spent more time than I probably should have, um, out, you know, especially being away from, from home and from the office, I it was gone so much, but it's difficult. I, I, I try and allocate so much time a month is usually the way when I'm scheduling out hunts or specific client needs, um, or even just personal needs. You know, I need to be home on these dates. It's tough. I, I, when I first start scheduling, it's, Hey, two and a half weeks out of these four weeks are going to be based you know, around hunting content, whether that be following one of my buddies here around home with a camera, um, for a week or traveling to Iowa to follow, you know, Ben with Ontario. It's, it's always making sure I'm, I have at least two and a half weeks, whether that be in a tree stand or somewhere out West. Um, that way I give myself, you know, that's, that's a lot in two and a half weeks. I shoot a lot of content and then I give myself that, you know, week, week and a half to kind of reorganize, get gear organized, edit, get everything uploaded. And then, okay, you know, December one hit, you know, this is, you know, these are my trips this year or this month. I've, you know, like example, like this month I'm gone only for um, a week and a half. 
and that's due to Christmas obviously being right there. I like to I like to pretty much tell everyone that week of Christmas and few days leading up to it, I I won't travel. It's um, something I've kind of always done. It's like my my get out of hunting and and just kind of enjoy the fam and um but yeah it's it's a difficult task because you you obviously as a creator you want to spend every last second you can hunting or you know filming or taking photos and you just you just kind of have to plan yeah absolutely well, that's awesome, man. Uh, first off, I want to say thanks for taking time to uh, hop on the podcast and chat. And for all the listeners yeah, out man. there uh, who want to take a look at some of the kick-ass photos uh, he takes on Instagram, go to austin.thomas underscore, right? Is that right? Yep. Okay, austin.thomas underscore. A uh, bunch of badass pictures uh, there. And, uh, hey, man, appreciate your time. Yeah, you too. I appreciate you having me. And that does it. That's another podcast signed, sealed, and delivered. Huge shout out for Austin for taking time out of his busy schedule to hop on the podcast and BS with me for a little bit. As always, first and foremost, huge shout out to each and every one of you who has taken time out of your day to download and listen and spread the word about the Sportsman's Nation, specifically the Nine Finger Chronicles. If you haven't already, wherever you download or listen to this podcast, please leave a review about how awesome this podcast is uh, and you know promote the shit out of me. Second, if you haven't already, you need to be following Instagram and Facebook, not only the Nine Finger Chronicles, but on the uh, Sportsman's Nation as well. Dude, there's so much good information out there. I'm adding more blogs and more podcasts, not only whitetails and big game, but fishing as well. And uh, I'm trying to grind and get a waterfowl podcast up too. So if you know someone who's really cool and really good at talking and loves waterfowl hunting, send them my way. Other than that, I don't know, the week's over and the weekend's coming up fast. I'm looking forward to it. Please go outside and enjoy Mother Nature with your friends and family. It is the greatest gift that there is. And every time I talk about it, I get really excited. And not just hunting and fishing. It's just one of those things where, dude, if you're ever having a stressful day, stop what you're doing and go take a walk outside and get some fresh air. It'll change your life. I'm done preaching. Thank you very much to all the partners of this podcast. Exodus, Wasp, Lone Wolf, Deer Lab, Prime, Ripcord, Ozonics, and Hunter Safety Systems. And if you are going to be in the woods, our friends at Hunter Safety Systems are reminding us all to please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.